one thing that I think most people get wrong is that they stick to a plan. And the problem is like now you have all the feedback loops and cycles you need to iterate. And if you not, aren't taking advantage of that, you're going to lose because other people will take advantage of that. Is this thing called a purchase cycle or consideration period. Number one thing I see people miss when they're looking at their data, they're looking at how to manage their marketing is that the idea that someone sees an ad and how long it takes for them from when they first are introduced to your company to when they actually purchase. I don't like Trump as a president, but from a marketing standpoint, I think it's hard to argue that he had some brilliance. And one thing that he did that's really interesting is he repeats the same thing over and over again until it's true. And if you can have press do that for your business, it's incredibly powerful. So on this episode, you're going to learn about why cycles and feedback loops can significantly change the way you view marketing for your direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss it. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focused on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hello, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth and online retail. Now, if you work in marketing at an e-commerce business or a founder, I'm going to help you sell more directly to your customers. And the way we do this is on this episode, we interview an expert, a founder at a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business or a representative from a best-in-class e-commerce business to really shed more light on helping you grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately sales. The remit really is to help you all sell more sustainably uh, on a longer term. And, and that's it, really. Now, on today's episode, um, I'm joined by Eric Huberman, who is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, one of the fastest growing marketing consultancies in the United States. He went from making $350 his first year in business to growing and selling two successful direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses. And essentially what Hawk Media does now, they're like the fractional CMO agency that work with Fortune 100 you know, um, you know, businesses as well as direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses, small businesses, and the fastest growing marketing consultancy in the U.S., 
valued about $150 million with 250 employees. He has um, you know, worked with 2,000 brands or so. They're ma- actively managing about 600 brands. God knows how they do this, ranging from you know, startups um, to household names like Red Bull, Ver- Verizon, and you know, Alibaba. On today's episode, really, what you're going to hear about, because I'm the interview, you start to hear the interview shortly, is pretty much their methodology. He's um, Eric has pretty much released a book, um, which is called um, The Hawk Method. And he kind of like breaks down their approach, you know, as um, a marketing agency on, um, on essentially growing and building, you know, brands essentially. And then they talk about awareness, nurturing and third party validation he in in this digital age where where we're at. It was a super interesting conversation. I'm I'm sure you're gonna enjoy um, you know, everything he said. A lot of the uh, the very, very interesting points he made, particularly um about email and SMS. Um he talked about um you know TikTok he, he talked about podcast advertising. That there, there, there's a lot to to kind of um, you know take away. I think the big idea you want to take from this particular episode is the fact that um, stop looking at marketing from um, a linear plan and look at it from a perspective of cycles and a feedback and feedback loops, kind of like what they do for iterative testing in product development in, in software. So when you start to look at marketing from that perspective, you read the data and take action on the data so that when um, you know things seem not to be doing well, you understand why they're not doing well because you understand these iterative cycles um, that give you, you know, um, just data to take decisive action upon. That's pretty much the the main takeaway I I took from this. Um, And and then he really breaks down the three pillars you need to have to to drive sustainable growth through your your org. So if you're you know very enthused about marketing for direct to consumer e-commerce for branding, you know marketing for for whatever brand you're trying to bring to market, uh, this is a really good episode. You 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 don't want to miss. He also talks about the fact that D 2 C is kind of like um, sometimes a bit limiting to the channels we 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 want to activate. And um, he, 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 he thinks or he suggests that um, we springboard fairly quickly into taking a omni-channel approach um, to, to marketing, which I 100% align with. It's a great episode you really want to listen to, um, again, to just get a very strategic overview towards growth. And I will just leave you to it and enjoy listening to this episode. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, None, and Chubbies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, 
and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Cloudways has become the hosting platform of choice for thousands of e-commerce merchants, SMBs, and agencies around the globe. Why? Well, there's a high-performing custom stack, top-notch security, the choice between five cloud solution providers, ease of scalability, affordable pricing plans, and so much more. Cloudways also offers support for all PHP-based applications like Magento, WooCommerce, WordPress, Laravel, and other. Experience an unbeatable managed cloud hosting experience with Cloudways today. For a $20 free hosting credit, use the coupon code BOOSTMAG. That's B-O-O-S-T-M-A-G. That's BOOSTMAG. Moving dreams forward, Cloudways. Welcome, Eric, um, to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. Thank you for you know um, turning up and being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, you, you guys have done terrifically well from from the introduction, um, and you're still doing, you know, um, really well. I actually thought your valuation was about um, was half <laughs> what we we actually said, um, and and that's because um, I was given this information back in February of this year, and it's just testament to 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 the phenomenal growth out at Hawk Media. Would you mind taking the next minute or two to introduce yourself and what you guys do at Hawk? Yeah, sure. So basically, Hawk's been around about actually almost eight years now. And it was started, I built and sold a couple direct-to-consumer brands and was advising and consulting a bunch of other companies on how to grow their revenue using marketing and just ran into the same challenge over and over again, which is when it comes time to actually execute, it's really hard out there. Like every Almost every business owner has experiences hiring a terrible marketing agency or a terrible marketing person. And it's just hard to weed through the crowd of all these people that claim to be marketers and actually find decent ones. And so through my own frustration of trying to find agencies and the only good ones I could find were all wanted long contracts, high minimums, or really expensive to work with, not flexible. Um, and you know the rest were terrible. I just got sick of it and decided to hire my own team. So started with seven people, each with their own expertise, like a Facebook marketer, an email marketer, a web designer, et cetera. These were people I knew from my background in e-commerce and went back to these companies and said, hey, everything's a la carte, month to month, cheaper than hiring in-house. But basically, you can spin up what you need, when you need it, be super nimble and flexible. And so under the mission of accessibility to great marketing, we just continued to build. And uh, you know, the real idea is, how, do we, how can we be accessible, nimble, flexible, easy to work with, et cetera, but also be the best at what we do in marketing. And my thesis was that that was not mutually exclusive, which I find a lot of agencies feel. They're either flexible and nimble and terrible at what they do, or they're really good and they become very hard to work with. And so that's been our driving force uh, since we started. And now we've, you know, eight years later, almost, we're 250 plus people, still bootstrapped, have successfully grown over 3,000 brands, and it's been a fun ride. Amazing, amazing. You're based out in, in LA from from yeah. my understanding. So what were your first few, you know, clients like? Who who did you start to work with? D2C e-commerce businesses or brands, straight yeah. up brand? It was both. I mean, we it was it, there were some D2C businesses. There were actually like one of our first clients was Red Bull. We got them on an influencer marketing campaign because they had no idea how to do like digital influencer <laughs> campaigns. So that was 
how early this was. Um, and then we had, uh, we, we worked with a manu- um, activewear manufacturer that wanted to go digital and they were making, they owned a bunch of brands. And so those were two of the early clients, but then there were some D2C brands in there as well. And yeah, it just, we were really open in the beginning. It was who, who needed help. Like we, I, we've started since the beginning of the business, we've never wanted to be a gatekeeper. That's part of the mission is accessibility. And so we just, if someone needed help and we could help them, we would do it. And we've been able to work in a lot of different industries because of that. D2C has always been a big part of it because of my background, because frankly, I think the ecosystem in LA, et cetera, and just the rise of the industry. But we've worked with financial services, restaurants, hotels, gyms, all sorts of other types of businesses as well. Okay. And, and then you do strategy, branding and production, media buying, design, content, and social, lifecycle marketing, photos. You're, you're an entire marketing department. You're, you're an agency in itself, like a digital native agency. Um, you know, putting that together can be complex. What does your organizational structure look like in order to de- deliver integrated, you know, work for, for your clients? Yeah. So, um, in the beginning, like to set up what we're going to do, we have, you know, sort of our business development team, but they're very consultative. So we train them on how to analyze a business, how to dive in and look at what the business needs are, really understand analytics and come back with recommendations based on what the company's needs are. And again, it's all flexible. So we can't, we're, it's just, what, what do we think you need for the next few months? Not what are you going to need for the rest of your life, which a lot of these agencies have three plus year contracts. We don't. So it's like, but this is where we think is a good starting off point. We can always add to it. We can always take away from it. But this is where we think we need to start. And then a lot of our clients work. We, we have the moniker of your outsource CMO. A lot of our clients hire us also to be their fractional CMO or marketing advisor as well. Even if they have a full-time CMO, having one of our strategists on board can help. And with that, the uh, they end up helping drive the organization and the collaboration amongst the team so that it does all work as one team. I really like the concept of fractional CMOs. Um, you know, the, those, we, we had somebody, you know, talk about being a factional CFO and I could just see yeah. the value right there. Um, from with that role, when you talk about your strategist, you know, what kind of experience do they bring to the table when, um, when you say, okay, um, you're giving them to, to work with either a CMO or, you know, a founder at a D2C e-commerce business? Well, I mean, so they're on a team of, you know, uh, probably a, what it would be like about 20 CMOs at this point that are all sharing information every morning and like helping each other out and helping each other learn and helping each other with problems. And so their visibility into what's working in the ecosystem is far beyond anyone could have internally. And so I'd say other than keeping the team organized, it's also bringing that sort of forest from the trees approach where it's like, you can, we actually know what's going on with amongst tons of brands. We have a benchmarking tool that's actually up on my screen right now that I can tell you that, you know, where that apparel CPCs are down 0.9% uh, week over week, you know, like I can tell you exactly what's happening industry by industry that we've built this, that they you leverage that. And that's just one example of the many things we have access to data because we currently manage marketing for 600 brands, but we also have had thousands and we have thousands more that have given us access to data throughout a, you know, due diligence process, et cetera, and a sales process that we just have an immense amount of data that's now been, you know, bucketed into industry as well that we know is your Facebook ad struggling or is it just Facebook that's struggling? Like those kind of things that actually are very critical when trying to manage your marketing. I remember in the world, in, in my days of SEO, we had these sensors like SEO penalty sensors, you know, um, yeah. so, so large platforms used to do that. Um, do you have anything up to the, you know, that 
that's public facing any dashboards or you know um that kind of show you know cpc as you alluded to or you know any other sort of aggregated data you know your um consolidating you know on back end yeah right now we only use it for ourselves so it's not public facing we do have plans to make this a public facing board as well we do again we believe in accessibility we you know just came out with our book, which we can get into, but the hawkmethod.com, which the idea is like, here's our marketing methodology, let's share it. So the same thing with our information, like we're okay. We we know how much hard work there is and we're okay getting paid because we're going to do the work. So in terms of like some sort of uh, secret sauce, we're okay with sharing it and putting it out there. And so we'll be probably making this into a public facing board. We just don't have the bandwidth right now to actually create that side of it. So right now it's just on our end. But we do. Okay, now, fantastic. Now that you talked about your book, The the Hawk Method, um, I'd like us to do a little case study. Okay, let's pretend we're an e-commerce brand, um, D2C e-commerce brand. We've nailed, um, you know, product in terms of we've we've brought a world-first product, you know, out there, maybe Mm -hmm. in the beauty space. How, using the Hawk Method, um, what would be the first steps? What's the approach? How would you take it to market to to, to really scale this? So, yeah, so... You know, any type of go-to-market strategy needs to be iterative. So it's the, the thesis behind the book is actually how to analyze, how to plan and analyze a marketing strategy and how to look at it over time. Because one thing that I think most people get wrong is that they stick to a plan. And the problem is like now you have all the feedback loops and cycles you need to iterate. And if you not, aren't taking advantage of that, you're going to lose because other people will take advantage of that. So sticking to something, now you have to know how to look at the data, but that's all whole nother topic we could dive into. But in terms of the Hawk method, basically we break down marketing into three principles, awareness, nurturing, and trust. So awareness is what most people think of as marketing. It's advertising, it's uh, PR, it's ways to get new people introduced to your brand. Word of mouth is another one, et cetera. And so that's bucket one. Bucket two would be nurturing, which is what do you do from when someone first becomes aware of your brand to when they actually purchase and then also post-purchase to bring them back because those are critical and actually making money, frankly. And those are things like email marketing, SMS, chatbots, creating great content, all the things that get people re-engaged. And I can get into that a little more. And then the third bucket is trust, also synonymous with brand. But before you have a brand that people know, trust is built from third-party validation. Could be testimonials, reviews, PR, influencer marketing, et cetera. And then consistency on your delivery starts to be what becomes your brand, good and bad. Could be you know that you're really fast at delivering food, but that it's also unhealthy. Both are part of McDonald's brand. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's what you're consistent with. On the nurturing side, that's the part that I see most people miss. People think like, oh, well, I don't have an email address, email list yet, so I'm not going to do email marketing. It's like, that's a mistake because all the people coming in from day one aren't getting followed up with. You're losing all those customers. And the reason that is, is this uh, thing called a purchase cycle or consideration period. Number one thing I see people miss when they're looking at their data, they're looking at how to manage their marketing, is that the idea that, someone sees an ad and how long it takes for them from when they first are introduced to your company to when they actually purchase. And just for e-commerce sake, general numbers, but from what we've seen in our data, the average purchase cycle for a $50 product is about three weeks. For a $100 product is about five weeks. For $200 about six weeks. And then it tapers off between two and three months after that for any impulse buy. The point being, it's weeks to months before they buy after seeing an ad. So if you're looking at your Facebook ads and you're looking at your return day by day, you're already failing yourself in terms of how you should be looking at your marketing. And so you're, a lot of times it ends, you end up cutting off your nose to spite your face because you think, oh, it didn't return today. And it's like, this also happens when you're scaling budget. So if you're spending 10 grand a day, and again, it's, let's say it's going to take four weeks to, on average to sell a client, I'm spending 10 grand every day. 
after four weeks, I should start seeing what the returns look like on that, uh, at least the half-life. So let's say you're making 4X. So 10 grand makes you 40 grand. And you go, this is great. Let's ramp it to 50 grand. And you spend 50 grand a day now. And in the first two days, you still only make 40 grand. Well, your return just went from 4X to 0.8. And most people right there shut it down like and say, oh, we can't scale. It's like, yeah, because you don't understand your own business. Those people aren't even going to come in for another few weeks. And then all of a sudden it spikes a few weeks later and they go, oh, look, something happened, but they have no idea what because they're not reading their business right. So yeah. that's a really critical part. And again, we go all into that in the book, but it's those kind of things that you have to think through when you're analyzing how to put that together and also allows you to adapt the right way. Because then if you can read the data right, you can understand your marketing strategy right. When things aren't going right, it helps you identify where the problem is faster. Interesting, interesting. My, my takeaway really is is the data, understanding your business at the data yep. level, and then um, you know looking at patterns and cycles that give you a feedback loop, and and then you know budgeting, especially off the back of that, um, because yeah. um, you know what as you just alluded to, if you scale it up to the forty k and you're not seeing the returns, you know your your CFO, your finance is shaking because you know yeah. you, you haven't really put. Not everybody's aware of that of the cycles, you know, um, of, of the return exactly. cycles exactly. Um, which which brings me back to what you said initially about planning. Um, so a lot of us um, have a finance plan where you, you have like a, a budget, you know, you, you sit down with your finance person, they, they budget things out. You say, this is what we're going to spend on this yeah. and that and that. And then you follow the plan. Uh, but with what you're talking about is, you know, um, having this adaptive feedback loops and cycles um, that change things around. So from a planning standpoint, how do you, how should brand sort of, you know, approach, um, you know, this, methodology because um you're looking at it from like you know product methodology which is you know used in in software in, in building out software yeah. um so, so how would you adapt marketing and just a d2c you know how do you how do you adopt um, a d2c setup to, to especially from a finance standpoint to to adapt to these cycles to start with, yeah. So at budgeting, you just have to know that your return like you have to just look at that lag in returns it's the same thing you see with uh you're going to buy product from China, pay for it now, let's say, but you're not going to sell it for four months. So like if you looked at it, if you, and as you're ramping, you could, you know, and, and that's what you treat it as inventory, obviously. And that's how you, you put it on the balance sheet. In this sense, you just have to watch your P&L and understand that the payback period on that investment from marketing is going to take time. And so, you know, the, it's, it's just understanding that I think more than anything and watching it that way and having your CFO understand that, that there's a payback period that returns don't happen instantly. So if we're looking at our marketing returns on a month by month basis, we're probably doing it wrong. I think that's, that's what you have to watch is how are you ramping marketing and what is the return cycle on that, which again, can be weeks to months or longer depending on the business. Makes sense. For D2C businesses or even, you know, established businesses, you know, running product launches, looking to disrupt themselves or, you know, um, you know, find a breakout product, does pre-selling, does a pre-selling model still work um, from your perspective and, you know, all of the brands you're working with? I don't really, I never really liked it. Don't get me wrong. It has worked. There's exceptions, mm. but I, I just, it, it goes against my experience with marketing of it being iterative, where if you do these pre-sales and these big pushes, like a Kickstarter, those kind of things, uh, yeah. it's boom or bust. If you don't get it right, you're dead in the water. And if you're dead in the water, good luck raising money, good luck getting it going from there. Like, I just don't like the message that sends and taking that kind of approach versus 
setting everything up, do you know, again, testing things, trying things, and continuing to iterate to make it better. Doing it properly. Okay. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. So what what are your thoughts on um, privacy, on, on like data privacy now? Um, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're probably at the cusp of a you know um a, a a data privacy driven marketing error um how do you think how do you see things playing out moving forward i i think that it has become a this is a, you know my opinion i think most people 80% plus of people don't give a shit and it's become a political talking point that the you know vocal minority talk to that's become an excuse for other things but i i actually like ios 14 and Apple made this excuse that they did that because of privacy, that they're stopping cookies. But, uh, and, and it really hurt a lot of advertising. But in my opinion, I think Apple's doing that because they want to get in the advertising business. And, if, and they, they just you know, hurt Facebook more than almost anyone ever could. Like Facebook is actually hurting because of the iOS updates. And I, I think that 
Yeah, I, I just don't think it's a big deal. I think it, I do agree with opt-in. I do agree that we have to be careful. Like TikTok worries me a little bit with what kind of data they're capturing, but I think it's very over talked about in terms of like, if you don't want your data on Facebook, don't use Facebook. Like I just don't believe as much in the victim mentality of, oh, Facebook's stealing data. It's like Facebook's also giving you a completely free service because that data allows them to fund it with advertising. So then don't use it. What's your data telling you on the back end? Are CPCs rising um, from, from all of the brands you're monitoring, CPMs? Um, how easy is it for like a small, for a startup account um, to, to get started? We're, we're seeing ridiculously high CPMs um, from, from for, for new accounts, that is. But older accounts, you know, are, some older accounts are doing terrifically well. I'd be curious to know because you have a much larger data set out there. Sure. Uh, I'll tell you right now, quarter over quarter, CPCs, nope, are down 4%. So last quarter, I think they went up. If I looked at last quarter, I'm sure I'd see mm-hmm. differently. But mm-hmm. it's not, uh, people love to, how do I put it? People love to throw these big overall, like everything's broken things, but like it's not as bad as people make them out to be. Um, mm-hmm. It's been harder, but it's not, it's actually what I think is CPCs aren't necessarily climbing. But conversions have dropped a little bit because you can't do all the other tricky stuff that you used to be able to do with deep targeting on the retargeting mm-hmm. side, et cetera. So conversions have dropped, but and I see that actually, but CPCs have uh, not climbed. Um, by how much of conversion drop? I don't across the board. Um, I'd have to look. Like we we don't pull that on this board yet, but um, I just know anecdotally, the it's basically companies that needed more detailed targeting are struggling Mm -hmm. when you need to know like specific nuances about your customer, because that's what Facebook really cut off. If you're, if it was a general audience, it hasn't been hurt that much. And so it's really the people that were taking the most advantage of the platform that got hurt where they could do these deep targeting. But yeah, I'm actually funny enough. CPC dropped 17% from Q2 to Q3. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, so looking at your book, you know, the, the Hawk methodology, it's due to be released at least in the UK on March the 3rd, 2022. Let's strip down your stack. You have a stack, you know, um, which you alluded to earlier, which is the awareness, nurturing and trust stack. Yep. Um, so it's really scale a business. Let's flesh awareness out. Um, how does awareness differ for an incumbent brand to a, yep. to a, to a, to an op starter, to, to a start startup brand rather. Yeah. So it's, so it, when we say incumbent brand, let's say it's a big brand, a PNG, like yeah. a, you know, Gillette uh, yeah. or, or even in a way, you know, they're, you know, you, you could say that they're now, they're fairly established now, um, a brand like Away yeah. or. Yeah. The idea, well, yeah. So the, that's, Away is even fine. It's mature enough at that way. They're mm-hmm. about the early part of maturity, but maturity of a brand, basically what ends up happening is what a lot of people are used to indeed to see this whole like customer acquisition cost, you know, the LTV analysis, that kind of stuff starts to go away because then it's basically, we just need you, when you need to buy a luggage, you want to buy ours because you can buy it anywhere. So you you end up seeing like, and this is why, frankly, a lot of digital also, the, the cost of digital climbed is because a lot of the bigger brands, when they get into it, they're not looking at their direct return on ad spend. That's not a number that they monitor. Maybe they look at it sometimes, but they're looking at, we need to be in front of our entire audience at all times so that when they're making the decision, do I buy a Coke or Pepsi, they're going to buy a Coke. And so that's later stage businesses. When it comes to awareness, it's they just need to be top of mind all the time when you want that specific type of product and they're trying to own the market. They also need to make sure that when you walk down the grocery aisle and you see their logo, you go, oh yeah, I like that. 
And so that's yeah. what they're going for. It's not driving a performance action. It's just driving awareness versus early stage companies. They don't have that luxury. They have to drive performance. They have to make money off their ads a lot quicker because they can't fund it as long. And they're also, their distribution isn't as wide. So if your product's not everywhere, you can't really just spend money everywhere and, ho- you know, and r- people just pick it up when they're walking through the aisles if you're not in the aisles. And so at those, you need to be more performance driven, more ROI driven on how is my marketing actually making me money directly and quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they they, they typically you know um, they typically drive for for brand name search. You know they're, they're looking okay. Yeah. Um, how many people are searching for a way versus Samsonite, for instance? And yeah. you know what what what? How do we bridge that gap? Yeah. Um. Because okay. So um. What do you, what's what in twenty twenty one twenty twenty two? What are the key pillars um for awareness um on on both um for for mature brands as well as um you know um just startup brands. Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, TV and radio are still a thing. Radio hurt a little bit during heart of COVID, but in general, radio is still big. Facebook and Google are still the titans of digital. Uh, TikTok is climbing fast, though. And I think TikTok in 2022 could be a really interesting... Like, It's already interesting. We're already seeing TikTok stuff on TikTok paid or organic? Both. Um, okay. It's just... A, and that's the thing is TikTok organic is one of the only interesting organic platforms. The rest of them have yeah. pretty much cut off organic growth, but TikTok you can still go viral on. And so if you can create great organic TikTok content, which needs to be made for TikTok for it to be good, you can actually get a lot of benefit from just organic posting and the Mm -hmm. advertising platform continues to get better and better. So I think they're going to be doing very well soon. Um, Snapchat's been interesting. Podcast advertising, I think, is also interesting. Um, These are all great ways. And then word of mouth at the end of the day is still the most important part. So driving things that can help create word of mouth. One thing we love about uh, one thing we love to juice word of mouth is content. People love to share your content a lot more than they love to share your uh, product pages. So creating great content that resonates with your audience so that they go share it with their friends and you get a kick on word of mouth is super uh, helpful as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the content piece is so central, you know, to to, to yeah. everything there, to, to social. And then when it comes to, to, to nurturing, um, what, what's your take on... Um, you know, just SMS email, um, you know, um, so, so we, we recently yeah. concluded a, a conference and, um, the, well, some, some people th- were saying or alluding to the fact that SMS is the new email, um, just due uh-huh. to the, um, to, to, to how personal, you know, um, the mobile devices are, um, do, I'd love your thoughts on, on nurturing and, um, just key channels to, to play around with, to, to really establish that direct to consumer relationship, the one-to-one relationship, one-to-few relationship you, you get at the nurturing stage? Yeah, it's, uh, so uh, it's funny. Everybody loves to be, you know, predictors of the future because no one ever gets held responsible when they're wrong. Um, SMS is amazing. It's a great channel. And we actually, on our venture side, have invested in PostScript, which has become the number one SMS marketing tool for Shopify. So we're big players in SMS. Email is also very lucrative and has gotten better throughout the pandemic because people started looking at their emails even more. And so what's interesting is email is still great. SMS is also great. SMS, frankly, is about 10 times as effective as email if you can capture a phone number, which is not 10 times as hard, but it's harder. But using both is really the key. Use email, use SMS, use them in different ways, find the best ways to leverage both. And they're both great tools for nurturing. Some people love getting text messages. Some people like emails. Some will take both. Some don't like either. It's about playing to 
kind of individualizing your customer too, because different customers will respond differently to different platforms. And so both are great though. Email and SMS, I would invest in both. They're no brainers for any D2C brand. Would you tap into any other platforms for, for nurturing? Um, some would, would say, you know, run a YouTube channel um, if you have the resources to. I would say, yeah, content, which includes a YouTube channel. Like creating content is a great nurturing tool, just like it is a great word of mouth tool. It's a way to engage your audience above and beyond a purchase decision and create value for them. So building that relationship with them, getting them more engaged in what you're doing, under, them understanding what you're about, it makes them, it, it builds trust, but it also helps nurture them along. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Okay, and then the, the third stack, trust. Um, you talked about third-party validation. I really like that term. Um, do you want to just shed a bit more light on on how to establish, not just establishing trust, but, but how to you know maintain trust because you, you could yeah. you know, lose trust in <laughs> in a flash. Well, yeah, no, I think it's it's a constant fight of getting that validation. What's what's been interesting, and I honestly, and I'll say my politics. I don't like Trump as a president, but from a marketing standpoint, I think it's hard to argue that he had some brilliance. And one thing that he did that's really interesting is he repeats the same thing over and over again until it's true. Mm -hmm. And if you can have press do that for your business, it's incredibly powerful. If Mm -hmm. press constantly tells you away is the best luggage ever made, away is the best luggage ever made, away is the best luggage ever made. Even if you've never had a way, at some point you're like, shit, I guess I have to know in a way it's the best luggage ever made. Like that's how human psychology works is that that repetition actually creates trust, especially when it's coming from people that you trust. If you read Forbes or you read Rolling Stone or something and you, you trust that masthead and that masthead starts telling you to trust this other brand that helps. And then, as you said, maintaining trust is through consistency. If a way, then I buy in a way and it breaks the next day. Well, there that goes. And I tell all my friends, again, word of mouth, that away sucks. And then all of a sudden it's away sucks, away sucks, away sucks. If I, if I buy it and it lasts great, and if it's something's a problem, they take care of it and away is great. Now I'm telling everyone away is great. It's the best luggage ever made. And I perpetuate that brand that they've tried to create. And so mm-hmm. delivery is important, but message is critical. It is critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really like that repetition, you know, piece, um, which yeah. really, you know, just establishes truth, um, yeah. subjective truth. Um, you, right. In, in, in my notes, I, you, the, the, there's a note around um, how to get access to um, Fortune 100, Fortune 100 marketing on a small business budget. Do, do you mind sort of breaking that yeah. down, please? Yeah, really. I, I think that was probably my PR team. But the idea is we do work with Fortune 100s and we work with startups. So the same people mm-hmm. that are working with Nike and working with Unilever and P&G and all these companies work with you know companies out of people's spare bedrooms. So the idea mm-hmm. that we found was, again, you don't have to be, as an agency, pretentious about your work and to you know cut off the people that really need it the most. You can work with some of the biggest brands out there, which is exciting and fun while also working with these startups and bringing them the same level of quality and same service. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, what are your predictions for Q4? Um, so, so this episode is going yeah. to go out um, sometime in October. Um, yep. I, I just like to have, you know, with supply chain issues, which is a given. Say, it's, um, it's, not, <laughs> it's not good. I, and I, again, I, can, I don't see the future, but I don't like the indicators. I think... Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's because people aren't going to be willing to spend money. I think people have a, like if NFT craze is any sign of too much money in the market, um, I I think people are sitting on too much money and don't know what to do with it. Um, But supply chain is a real problem. I don't think people like the public or the markets understand how big of a problem it is. I, you know, you just saw people are already adjusting their uh, earnings projections for Q4 now 
I forgot who it was, but some of the bigger brands out there are already making adjustments, not because of demand, but because of supply. And it's, I, I haven't seen a supply driven recession. I don't know if we've ever had it, but I, I think that could happen this quarter because it's, I think, you know, ever a lot of companies rely on Q4 to build their business. And yeah. I think they're not going to have the product to sell to get the growth and the funding they need for next year's growth. So I think it really could set us back. Yeah, so I was reading the tweets today and um, they're like, it might be an opportunity from an acquisition standpoint um, in Q1 and Q2 of 2022 yep. um, because some some brands are going to just wind up because the numbers wouldn't work. Yep, that's um, I 100% agree. Um, I mean, we have, you know, our whole investment and in, in analysis side and we're seeing it too, like, we, you know, there might be, we, and we do a lot of M&A. So we, we've actually talked about the same thing, that there might be some opportunities throughout all this. If you can keep your business afloat. If you can keep your business rules and cash flow. Yeah. 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 Super interesting. Super interesting. Um, any other key points you'd, you'd like D2C operators and D2C team leaders listening to this podcast to to take away? What what big um, message do, do you have, um, you know, for, for, for to, to our listeners? Uh, other than go to hawkmethod.com and buy the book. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, plug no, it in, plug it in. <laughs> got to plug it. But no, I mean, we have a goal. Like we're, we're really aiming to be a New York Times bestseller. So we're going to be ramping okay. up our promotion of it heavily. But uh, we uh, honestly, I think it really comes down to having a framework and being disciplined about being iterative. Like I think people get too rest on their laurels. They get too stuck in their yeah. strategies and like be open and really like be careful how you read your data as we talked about it's not just about having data it's also about how to read it cuz again if you read data on your raise, rising if you raise your advertising spend and don't understand your purchase cycle your returns are always going to look terrible so yeah. you i see so many people that tell me this quote happens all the time we can't scale our our advertising spend i'm like what the fuck does that mean just spend more you scaled it congratulations and they're like well we're not getting the returns it's like well how long did you give it and it's just every time Every time it's like, well, you know, after a couple of weeks, it's like a couple of weeks, how much is your product? 150 bucks. You think the average person buys your product in a couple of weeks. So it's, yeah, it goes back to that. It is that simple because that is by far the biggest problem I see with people trying to scale. So, so going a bit tactical here, um, what's, what's your tech stack um, for, for really reading the data, non-proprietary, just um, what, what's, what's in the market available to, to really help us, you know, crunch, um, you know, this, these cycles, essentially? Yeah, there's Cord, C-H-O-R-D. There's, uh, I mean, Google Analytics has a lot of this. There's Glue. There's a few. Um, the data platforms, none of them are perfect, but... Um, you can still dive in individually as well sometimes. And oh, there's a Retina AI does a good job of LTVO analysis too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's, it's been an amazing, a very, very interesting, amazing experience, you know, speaking with you, I'm glad to, to have you on the show. Um, I'm not even yeah. going to plug in hawkmedia.com, although I've just said it now, <laughs> but guys go to Hawk Method, H-A-W-K-E-M-E-T-H-O-D.com, uh, Hawk Method. Um, very, very interesting. You could pre-order 20 books, 50 books, 100, 200, and even a thousand. Um, so yeah, you've done a great a job with, in regards to marketing. Yeah. I've been getting my pilot's license, so a thousand books gets you on a flight with me. If that's actually something you want ah, to do, ah, okay. So they're they're perks with this. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Your pub <laughs> your publishers are going to be very happy with you. Yeah. <laughs> but but best of luck. Um, I will be purchasing. Um, Thank and you. um, yeah, um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Eric. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.